Coming to you from deep inside the bowels of a great big empty. Get ready for another episode of The Home Defense Show with Skip Coriel. This is Phoenix Coriel. Welcome to The Home Defense Show. Okay, folks, welcome to the Home Defense Show. This is your host, Skip Coriel. Boy, today we have uh, got a special guest. We have Brady Scheckinger from uh, Michigan Coalition for Responsible Gun Owners. And, boy, if you've been watching the news at all, you know that there's all kinds of anti-gun bills coming down the pike here. And uh, it's hard to make sense of all of this stuff. So uh, I invited uh, Brady you know, to be on the show today to make sense out of all this. So, uh, Brady, welcome to the Home Defense Show. Thank you, Skip, and thank you for having me here today. All right, well, Brady, uh, what is your your title and your job there at MCRGO? So I am the executive director of the Michigan Coalition for Responsible Gun Owners. I used to be a legislative staffer in the Michigan House of Representatives working on firearms policy for 14 years prior to leaving for MCRGO in 2011. So I've been here now for a dozen years. Boy, you know, uh, I I used to know you back then too. I remember yeah, you that. were actually my CPL instructor, my original CPL instructor. Oh wow! CPL probably back in oh I'm guessing 2006, 2007, somewhere around then. Ah, boy, one of us is getting older. Yeah, both <laughs> <laughs> okay. of us, I think. Yeah. All right. Well, Brady, there's a lot going on out there, and. I'm not real excited in a good way about what's going on here in the state of Michigan. Um, can you just go over some of the the most problematic uh, gun bills that are out there right now? Sure. Well, let me start with the ones that are actually um, potentially, I don't want to say least problematic because they still have problems with them, but the ones that we're most likely to see pass um, over the next month. And um, those are three packages that are were introduced in both the House and the Senate, mirror bills in both chambers. So they're the same bills um, introduced in both chambers. And those packages are the red flag law package. Um, red flag, for your listeners who don't understand, is a way for a petitioner to go to the courts and have the courts issue an order to seize a defendant's property, firearms property, without the defendant being able to be heard before the seizure of their firearms. And it can be done by a family member. Um, it can even be done by you know an ex-spouse, um, ex-partner. Um, so it's ripe for abuse. Um, but these guns are taken without um, the owner of the guns being able to present their side of the case in advance. So we uh, argue that it violates due process. Um, that'll probably end up in court, red flag. Um, the other two bill packages are storage mandates, um, which I'll get to in a bit, language that was added to one of the storage mandate bills in the Senate that has nothing to do with storage mandates. Um, and also the um, universal background checks is um, the language that is called in Michigan. What that really means is long gun background checks for private party sales. So if I were to sell my um, AR-15 or my um, you know shotgun, Mossberg shotgun to use Skip, um, you would need to go get a purchase permit from the police prior to buying that. That would also include family members passing down um, rifles and shotguns um, within the family. Now, our concern with that is most gun owners aren't going to be aware of it. Um, we already have widespread noncompliance 
with private party pistol transfer registration. Um, we know from talking to the state police that about 40% of the pistol transfers in the state um, never have any registration behind them. With long guns, we, we're guessing it's probably gonna be over half um, that are never transferred. Um, right now, the way the bill's written, there is no long gun transfer registration process like there is with pistols. So there's even less incentive for people to comply with the new law. Hmm. Brady, uh, th that does seem problematic to me. Uh, the the long gun, is it, do we call it background check or or is it a registration? So um, the way the bill is written now, there is no registration system in place for the transfer like there is with pistols. Now, because this new law is going to be next to unenforceable without that, we anticipate seeing future legislation probably rather quickly that actually encourages um, or requires long gun registration as well. So, hmm. um, you know, it, right now it's just you have to get the state's permission in order to um, purchase a long gun under under this bill from a private party. In the future, we're probably going to see registration of all long guns. Yeah. What is the what are the penalties for noncompliance? So that is a misdemeanor, I believe, uh, 90 day misdemeanor, um, $2,500. Um, I don't have the language right in front of me, but going from memory, I believe 90 day misdemeanor, $2,500 fine. Wow. Yeah. That that's a lot of money for, for something that we used to take for granted. And it's it's like, why change something that's been around for, for so long? I, I mean, I, I could have a single shot shotgun that I want to give to, you know, one of my kids and I can't do it now. Right. Yep. And very few of these long guns are actually used in the commission of any crimes. Those yeah. that are, um, you know, are the long guns that aren't going to go through the um, legal transfer process in the first place. Well, you know, you mentioned those three and, and said those are the least problematic. <laughs> yes, there's much scarier legislation out there. Um, wow. So, um, there are two motivations for these gun control bills that, um, you know, I want to discuss real quickly, if you'll indulge me. Sure, um, sure. Some of the sponsors of these um, uh, actually believe that the fewer guns in civilian hands, the less violent crime there will be. There is a theory out there, um, especially among the left half of the political spectrum, that the presence of guns in society is responsible for a lot of violent crime. And they focus on the guns rather than focusing on criminal motivation like you or I might. And their goal is to reduce gun ownership in the United States as a way of reducing crime. And they call the active shooting incidents we've seen a uniquely American problem. Now, we know from looking at Ontario right next door to us and also countries in Europe, but um, particularly other countries like uh, Brazil or Mexico, that strict gun control laws does not equate with a lower incident of violent crime. It just it's not the way it really works out. The other motivation in the legislature, though, that is responsible for some of the more radical bills is the weaponization of government to go after one's political enemies. And this is the more extreme side of the current House and Senate Democratic Caucus, particularly the House Democratic Caucus. And what they are doing is introducing legislation that makes it extremely difficult to carry a firearm outside the home, either openly or concealed. One of these bills is a bill that on its face bans guns from polling places. Now, we don't have a problem with people carrying guns at polling places in Michigan, um, creating voter intimidation. It's a non-issue. This is a solution looking for a problem. 
But this bill goes way beyond just a polling place on election day. It covers all the new early voter uh, locations that are going to be springing up because of the passage of Proposal 2. But it also covers all these absentee ballot drop boxes that are now showing up in locations around Michigan. And what the bill says is that you cannot carry a firearm in public within 100 feet of an absentee ballot drop box for 40 days before an election. Now, we have three regular election dates in Michigan, not counting presidential primaries. They're the May election, the August primary, and the November election. So 40 days before each of those, that's 120 days out of the year. That's one third of the year you cannot carry a firearm within 100 feet of these absentee ballot drop boxes. And, you know, people may be thinking to themselves, well, you know, 100 feet, that's not such a big deal. The problem, though, is these ballot drop boxes, and more of them are going to be showing up because of Proposal 2, most of them are located outdoors, curbside, along sidewalks, busy streets, roads, uh, within 100 feet of adjoining businesses, and with 100 feet of uh, municipal buildings, um, libraries, um, city halls, township halls. Um, so these areas are all going to be off limits, and CPL holders are not exempted. Uh, the way this bill is written, it's written in a way to deliberately not exempt CPL holders. So you're not going to be able to carry legally within 100 feet of any of these absentee ballot drop boxes for a third of the year. And again, this bill is a misdemeanor, which means that if you are convicted of it, your CPL is gone. <laughs> so wow. uh, for good. Yeah. And, um, you know, I ask your, um, your listeners, do they know where all the absentee ballot drop boxes are in their area or the areas they travel to for work or to visit friends and family? You know, I know where the one or two closest to me are um, and they are going to they would impact my commute um, every day because I drive past them multiple times a week within 100 feet of them. And there is no exception for even carrying a firearm in your vehicle. So driving past these, you're going to be guilty of a misdemeanor, too. They're that that poorly written. Brady, the, that's not even the scary part. I mean, these people are resourceful. Let's face it. They're resourceful. They're clever. I don't like them, but they're still worthy adversaries. And it's just like them to say, well, you know what? We can make any place we want a pistol-free zone for a third of the year. All we have to do is set up a drop box. Right. That's yep. all they got to do. And what would we do to stop them? So it gets worse, though. Can I go on? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Make it worse, Brady. <laughs> <laughs> There's another bill called House Bill 4150. And by its title, what House Bill 4150 would do is um, make all buildings owned or leased by the state um, pistol-free zones or gun-free zones, I should say. Um, Weapons-free zones, I think, is the, the proper language. That's MCL 750.234D. So this includes not just your Secretary of State office, but any buildings owned or leased by the state. And it also includes the parking lots of those buildings. So this would include, for example, any MDOT rest stop, because you, you drive into driving down the highway, you pull into an MDOT rest stop, that state property, it's the parking lot of a state building. You would not be able to have a firearm in your vehicle or on your person at a rest stop anymore. But what 750.234D does, and we're seeing this in a lot of these bills, it includes additional language that is even worse than the bill title, is right now that section of law exempts CPL holders, licensed concealed, um, concealed pistol license holders. There are a number of places that as CPL holders that we can carry, including places with retail liquor licenses, which um, you know people don't realize how prevalent retail liquor licenses are, but 
most gas stations sell beer or wine. Businesses, even like Bed Bath & Beyond, have a license to sell wine that they sell on the property. So you're not going to be able to carry in any of these businesses anymore or even on the premises of these businesses. So under House Bill 4150, if this were the past with the language as it was introduced, you would no longer be able to have a firearm on your person or in your vehicle in the parking lot of most gas stations unless you know the gas station doesn't have um, any alcohol sales. And, you know, that's just going to make it very difficult to travel around the state um, carrying concealed. So and their intent here is to make it as difficult as possible for people to carry outside the home. Wow. That's yeah. disgusting. And of course, <laughs> um, you know, uh, criminals don't abide by these laws. Somebody that right. is intent on committing a violent crime isn't going to be deterred by the misdemeanor in House Bill 4150 when they're looking at, you know, potentially committing a felony. So. Yeah. Well, and they're making it so... They're forcing us to not carry a gun in order to keep from being a, a criminal. Because uh, how can you even go about your daily life, go anywhere, sure. you know, without without breaking these laws and, and yep. still carry a gun? Right. And every week we, we're seeing um, more and more legislation that is coming through. Um, at this point in time, it's still um, early in the legislative session. We don't know how much is actually going to be brought up beyond the three bill packages I've mentioned earlier, which are already halfway through the legislative process. But last week, for example, um, there was a bill that was introduced that would prevent any minor from carrying any um, air gas or spring powered gun off their own home property. The way the bill's written, this would even apply to, um, uh, you know, a Nerf gun because it's air powered, but, you know, to apply to all conventional like BB and pellet guns. There was a bill introduced last week, um, House Bill 4211, which would require a 14-way waiting period for all firearms purchases. No exception in that bill for emergency circumstances. So, you know, if you had a woman that was being stalked by um, her ex and she went to her local sheriff and got an emergency CPL, she can get that emergency CPL. But if she doesn't have a firearm, she needs to wait 14 days under this bill before she'd be able to acquire a firearm, um, either from an FFL or a private party. 14 days in that type of situation is incredibly dangerous. And mm -hmm. now we're hearing talk of legislation being introduced that is going to ban standard capacity magazines and limit all um, magazines, whether for rifles or um, uh, pistols, to less than 10 rounds. And we're also hearing talk of a ban on uh, modern rifles uh, coming down the line. Give them an inch, they'll take a mile, right? Yep. Your listeners are going to be thinking of this as well. A lot of this legislation um, doesn't sound like it's or constitutional under recent Supreme Court decisions, and they're right. A lot of it isn't. The problem is, is that lawsuits take a long time. They're very expensive. The state has taxpayer money to defend these bills where we have to raise all our money for lawsuits from you know small donor contributions from our members. And they know that overwhelming us in these bills is also going to overwhelm the, um, the legal process and litigation. Um, yeah. So we are going to be stuck with these um, new laws potentially for years until they're um, eventually struck down. Yeah. Well, and the irony there is they use their power to take away our freedom and then they use our money to defend themselves. Sure. Right. Ah. And Yep. And that's what I'm talking about by um, weaponizing government um, for partisan political reasons. A lot of this is um, you know, simply based on retribution. Well, you certainly made my day, Brady. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but you know, every, people need to know what what's going on because so many of us are just clueless. You know, we're too busy in our lives. We don't want to get involved in politics. But you know what? Um, these people are usurpers of all things left unattended. And I guess it's now is the time to get uh, politically active. And I think that was probably your next question, right? What what can people yeah, do? Yeah, what can be done about this? You know, there's the classic um, email or um, call your state representative and your state senator. Uh, the problem people are running into is they realize that when they call, they're talking to a legislative staffer. When they send an email, they're getting a form response that's probably sent by a legislative intern. There is a better way to approach your state legislators that we are encouraging people to do. Um, recently, we've seen it be more effective. And it's most of these state legislators have social media accounts, uh, particularly on Facebook and Twitter. And any of your listeners who are active on um, these types of social media, Facebook, Twitter, sign up for your state representative and your state senator's social media accounts. They're probably going to be doing some post on firearms legislation. When they do, just put your comment there, letting them know that you're not supportive of it. Uh, right now, we're seeing party line votes on these bills in the Michigan legislature. So you may be saying, well, you know, I don't need to contact my Republican state representative because he's on my side anyway. But what you're doing is reinforcing his vote so he knows that you've got his back politically um, and on Election Day. Or you might be saying, well, you know, my state senator, she's a Democrat. Um, it doesn't make any sense for me to, you know, comment on her Facebook because she's just going to ignore me anyway. But there is a difference in scale between some of these bills. And there are legislators on the Democratic side who may vote for some like red flag or storage mandates that may look at these 14-day waiting periods or a modern rifle ban and say, no, this just goes too far. And if they're hearing from you, that's more likely for them to say in their caucus, stop, we don't want to vote on these bills. Yeah. Uh, Brady, that makes sense because... You send them an email, they're the only ones who see it. But you make a comment on Facebook or Twitter, and the whole world sees it. Right, yep. And it also opens more dialogue by doing yeah. a comment, something like that. Yeah, I, I guess a, a caveat uh, to that would be, since the whole world is seeing it, be very careful how you word you know, your, your comments, because you know we want to come across as being you know, polite and sane and, and rational that you know it could be bad pr if you get on there and just start uh you know trash talking and insulting people right yeah using um slurs or angry comments just reinforce um their you know the bad positions and they don't help our position so you're right you want to make rational reasoned, um polite comments okay all right um brady thank you very much for the update I'd like to uh, have you on uh, every couple of weeks or whenever there's a, a major change so that we can update the people. Is that okay? Sure. Yeah. By the um, uh, middle of April, probably a month from now, we'll have a much better idea where some of these bills are going to. Okay. All right. Awesome. Um, Brady, how can people uh, join uh, MCRGO? Uh, by going to mcrgo.org. That's mcrgo.org. And there's a join or renew button online on the homepage. All right. Awesome. Well, Brady, thank you very much for, for being on the Home Defense Show today. Great. Thank you. Have a great week, Skip. All right. Thank you. Okay, folks, uh, that's it for the Home Defense Show. Uh, you have got your marching orders now. You know, go to Facebook and Twitter 
get with these legislatures and let them know that you are not happy and you will not go quietly into the night, but be polite. But we have to push back. If we don't push back, then, hey, what you allow, you teach, right? So that's all today for the uh, Home Defense Show. I want to thank our sponsors, Centershot Indoor Gun Range and also United States Concealed Carry Association. This is Skip Coriel on Home Defense Show. We will see you next week. Have a great day and drive safely. Thank you for joining us this week on the Home Defense Show. Now, get out there and protect the ones you love. We'll see you next week with more of the best in home defense. Bye-bye, boys! Have fun storming the castle!